This is the Lifehacker Diet Podcast. Each of us have many assets that, when combined, contribute to our success in life. Our intelligence, personality, education, job experience, family, friends, business contacts, money, luck. Many of these come and go and change during our lifetimes. But at the base, holding up your success in life are two non-renewable, essential assets that all of us have and we should cherish our wellness, and our time. And this is where the Lifehacker Diet can help you work out of work so you can work hard at play. Welcome to the Lifehacker Diet Podcast. I'm Paul Michaels, your host, and today's podcast is 020, Learn How to Work Out at Work to Reach 10,000 Steps Every Day. I am thrilled, really thrilled, to be able to reveal to you today my latest blog post. Learn how to work out at work to reach 10,000 steps every day. Now, I've been working on this thing for a while, and I've got to tell you, I believe that this content can absolutely revolutionize your work life. It's going to improve your health. How do I know this? Because it did the same for me. You see, I was like many of you. I work at a desk. I used to work at a desk. Uh, 8, 10, 12 hours a day. I had horrible back pains, aches and pains everywhere else. I was 30 to 35 pounds overweight, didn't sleep well. I fell asleep, you know, after lunch. It, it just, it was not a pretty situation. And it wasn't until I started to make uh, a lot of these small changes that I'm going to tell you about in this blog post that things started to change. And I, have absolutely revolutionized the way I work because now, uh, while I work, I get a lot of my exercise. In fact, um, last year I walked 3,500 miles in the three and a half years I've been doing this. I'm over 10,000 miles, which is about 40% of the way around the earth at the circumference. It's just amazing how it works. I'm very excited to share this with you today. Let's get right into it. What if you could put in a regular day's work, be super productive, and meet your daily goal of walking 10,000 steps all without going to the gym? That's what we're going to talk about today. This is the basis of the blog post. I also have created a wonderful infographic. It's kind of a comic infographic of a uh, kind of like a cross section of a office building showing you all the different ways in which you can squeeze exercise out of everything you do in your work day. Go to the website and download it, it's free. The URL for the blog post is lhdiet.com slash W-O-A-W, and that stands for Work Out at Work. Be sure to go and grab it. So we have a choice of working hard or working smart. For 48 years of my life, I was not working smart. I had not discovered these simple work-life hacks that I'm gonna talk about today. And the reason is sometimes the simplest solutions are the hardest to see. I know when I worked uh, in the corporate world, I believe that, you know, I had to have my nose to the grind. I had to work long hours. I had to be at my desk a lot. The truth of the matter is you have a choice of working hard or working smart. These choices aren't mutually exclusive. You can work smart and hard, but just working hard, it's not working smart. My worth Uh, in the corporate world was really attached to the number of hours I was sitting at my desk working. That really affected me in a lot of ways. 
So I wanted to look at how the really smart people in the world get things done and try and learn from them. I can tell you the work that I was doing in the corporate world was not nearly as inspirational as people like Beethoven or as impactful as Charles Darwin or as revolutionary as Steve Jobs' work. Absolutely not. It doesn't mean that you and I can't do great work, but we can certainly learn from these geniuses and learn how they optimized what talents they had through mental exercises and physical. The interesting thing I found out was Beethoven would only work in the mornings and then he would wander the streets of Vienna with a pad of paper and a pencil in the afternoons and, and make notes and drawings and stuff. Charles Darwin had a gravel path installed in his home so that he could count the number of laps he'd walk to solve a problem. Steve Jobs was famous for walking the streets of Palo Alto for meetings, exercise, contemplation, problem solving. So what did these great minds know that you and I don't? Well, I think they understood how to get the best work done by engaging as well as releasing one's mind. The action is kind of like an arm curl. If you're lifting a weight with your arm, you strain your bicep muscle to lift the weight. Uh, you hold it for a couple of seconds and then you release it to rest. I mean, if you held it up there all the time for hours at a time, you'd cramp up and I don't think it would do your muscle any good. And that's what a lot of us do when we work. We just keep going. We cramp up that muscle and we work through any pain or fog or anything like that. So what Beethoven, Darwin, and Jobs understood is how to sow their minds with obstacles, with problems, and then let the solutions grow through passive contemplation. They didn't, they didn't just slug away at something again and again and again until they were absolutely exhausted because they knew that wasn't going to get them what they needed. They respected the cycle of getting good work by pushing, trying to understand, and then releasing and letting answers come to them. Our bodies uh, work on a rhythm. You know, you've probably seen the wave, uh, the waveform of sleeping. There's actually a waveform to working as well, or certainly to concentration. It's called the uh, ultradian rhythm. And if you go to the blog post, you'll see uh, a graphic of that. And it's really interesting because it's, it's a sine wave up and down, up and down. And, you know, when it's up, you have like 90 to 120 minutes where you can really work. And uh, I just want to quote uh, Drake Bear. He's a contributing writer to Fast Company and the co-author of Everything Connects. And he says, your brain can only focus for 90 to 120 minutes before it needs a break. Why? It's the ultradian rhythm, a cycle that's present in both your sleeping and waking lives. When you start to see that there is a cycle to us being able to sleep well, and there's a cycle to being alert and being able to work well, it starts to make sense. And uh, what you really want to try and do is find what are called your golden hours. That's how you can work smart. You can take the really hard stuff, the stuff where you need to be really creative, the stuff that you need to be uh, really thinking through a problem. Do those during your golden hours. Golden hours refer to a unique cycle of daily productive time. These cycles are interspersed with periods of time when you're trying to punch through a fog or fatigue, lack of focus or broken attention. Does that sound familiar? So I tackle my big stuff during my golden hours in the morning. 
And then I work on smaller, less demanding stuff in the afternoon. So I'll do a lot of my writing. I'll do podcasts in the morning. Uh, and then in the afternoon, I'll, I'll do things like I'll go work on the website. I'll do a little bit of coding. You know, it's not creative coding. It's just basically getting things done. I can feel the difference between my efficiency and, and how well I'm able to concentrate. You really want to utilize your golden hours and take breaks based on your ultradian rhythm. You'll find a productive flow so you strain less against your natural cognitive decline as the brain tires during the day. That's part of working smarter, not harder. Now, I just happen to have a wonderful worksheet where you can find your golden hours. It's a great little worksheet. You put in your energy levels during the day. And it renders out a chart for you so you can actually see during the days of the week when your best times for working on the hard stuff are and when your least productive times are. So please uh, be sure to go to lhdiet.com slash W-O-A-W and download that. The other thing I learned on my journey is living synchronously. So up until late 2012, when I kind of discovered a lot of this stuff or started to discover this stuff, my professional life consisted of sitting and working at the computer, sitting while attending meetings, sitting while on the phone. Eventually, I would find time for exercise in my week or not. Usually it was not. It sucked. I mean, it was just, it's a sedentary lifestyle. It's very hard to get exercise in because something else always comes uh, in the way of that. I like to say that I was stuck in a, an asynchronous work life. I was either working or exercising. And as I said, exercise was a time slot and I could postpone it with a click of a mouse. Each delete was like another ring of fat around my trunk. Uh, it was, it was just uh, awful. So when I started to make changes, I, I noticed that they fell into the category of uh, synchronous work life. That means that everything I do in my day is an opportunity for exercise. That is a lot of what I'm going to be discussing in this post. The asynchronous is working or exercise and the synchronous working and doing exercise at the same time. And the beauty of the synchronous work life is even if you have a crappy day at work, get your exercise in. So there's a, a wonderful win no matter what happens. As I mentioned, uh, within the first six months of making these changes, I lost 30 pounds and was shocked to see that I had walked a thousand miles. Who knew that you could walk a thousand miles? Just to summarize this section, it's kind of the warm-up section of the blog post. You need to sow your mind with obstacles and let solutions grow. Find your golden hours to work through the tough stuff and use your ultradian rhythm cycles to be more effective, and then maximize the health and wellness benefits of a synchronous work life. Now let's build healthy and smart into your busy life by breaking your day down into actionable steps. Here we go. At the bottom of the workout at work infographic is commuting. So let's start with uh, commuting to and from work. There are many different ways that you can get from your living space to your workspace. They're all forms of transportation. What you need to do is start experimenting by making small changes that integrate physical exercise into your forms of transportation. So I'm going to go over that for you. Driving. Preferred method of 91.2% of commuters in America. Wow. That is a stunning uh, figure. Unbelievable. So if this is your reality, here are a couple of ideas. 
try parking your car in a parking lot that's one mile or 1.6 kilometers away from your work and walk the rest of the way. And then at the end of the day, you'll walk back to the parking lot and you'll at least get two miles a day. And that's 10 miles a work week. And that adds up every month, every year, and you will get a ton of miles in. Great exercise. You can also achieve the same results by parking at work and then taking a one mile or 1.6 kilometer walk around the area before, before starting your day. You know, you need to be a little disciplined and not run into work right away. Uh, maybe leave a little early if you can. So you have 20 minutes to do that. But it's an excellent way to get exercise. And, you know, you can do that before you go home at the end of the day. And again, that's 10 miles a week, uh, 40 miles a month. And it just keeps on going from there. And the beauty of this is if, it can, if you can make it into a habit, it becomes a consistent way of you getting exercise. You also get some time to think about your day. You know, we, we discussed how the geniuses get their work done. Well, you can kind of plan your day. And instead of just hitting a wall of, of stuff as soon as you walk into work, you'll actually have a plan and you'll be able to deal with things um, much clearer. Public transportation. So public transportation uh, for getting to and from work is a very, very, very far second to commuting by car. It's a whopping 4.9% of commuters. Yikes, that's tiny. Well, walking to work is almost half of that at 2.8%. So we're sliding down the, uh, the, the scale of how to get to work. One of the things I find when I go on public transport is I've got my smartphone, I've got a book, whatever. Uh, I've got work stuff that I can do. And so it's really tempting to just zone out and uh, just deal with the frustrations of taking public transport that way. And you just zone out into whatever and you just kind of wake up when you get to work. Well, here's an experiment. Try instead of waiting around for your bus, train, or streetcar, walk to the next stop two or three at either end of your commute, at the beginning of your commute and at the end of your commute. It's a small change. It's great for the environment. Uh, it's great for you. You can get up to a mile uh, fairly easily that way. And the truth of the matter is you'll probably save time. And again, you have time to think about things. You can figure out what you're going to do in the morning. And it's just a really great, consistent way of getting exercise. There are some people who ride to work on a bike or skateboard or something along those lines. That's all great, too. See if you can combine that with uh, your method of transportation. So many people will take like a commuter rail and then they leave their car a couple of miles from home and drive home. So maybe you can leave your bike there and ride your bike home or walk home. You just need to look at your, your habits, look at your circumstances and try and figure out a way to get consistent exercise in there. One of the things I'm really excited about in this blog post is under each section, I have a steps estimator panel. And what that allows you to do is after you've read the tips and tricks, you can go in and you can dial in how many steps you think you're going to take for each of those methods of, uh, I, in this particular case, for commuting. So each section has these. You can drag it along. It gives you a subtotal. And then there's a link you can press and it takes you down to the bottom of the post. And there is your absolute total for the day. So it's kind of like a worksheet for you to kind of plan out 
an experiment. So you can you can estimate something, try it tomorrow on your way to work. If it works for you, maybe crank it up a bit. If it doesn't, you know, maybe crank it down or go to one of the other options. And it's really kind of a worksheet for you to figure out what's going to work for you. So again, it's really important that you go to the blog post and that's at lhdiet.com slash W-O-A-W. So make sure you check out the steps estimator panels. They are funky, they are great, and they are useful. What happens when you work from home? How are you supposed to get exercise with only a couple of dozen steps from your living space to your workspace? I, I mean, it's just, it, it's impossible, right? Well, that's kind of what I thought. But the truth of the matter is the solution isn't much different than commuting to work by car or by public transportation. What I do and what works extremely well for me, and I am borrowing from the geniuses uh, in the world, is I take a morning walk. You know, before you get to work in the morning, if you take a brisk 20, 30 minute, 40 minute walk at a mile or two in, uh, if you have a dog or two, take them out for a walk. That's what I do. It might seem like a waste of time on the surface, but I can assure you it is the most productive time of your day. It's amazing what I can figure out that I've been slugging away at the day before. And I go for a walk and I just kind of breathe in the fresh air and suddenly my mind is solving things. It's amazing. So you can come up with solutions, you can plan your day, uh, all of that stuff in the morning. And obviously it's great exercise. That productivity hack can, can get you anywhere from 2,000 to 4,000 steps uh, daily, depending on how far you walk. A German philosopher, Friedrich Nietzsche, once said, it's only ideas gained from walking that have any worth. The other thing you can do is you can uh, switch up your workspace. Some people like to work at home a couple of times a week, maybe a couple of times a month. It doesn't hurt to go to um, a cafe or a working a co-working space. And if you walk there and back, maybe do some errands on the way, you could get two, three, four, five thousand steps in your day. So another great way. Sounds repetitive, but how about an afternoon lunch walk just after you've eaten? Uh, first of all, it's really good for you from a health perspective. It helps with your digestion and it minimizes the um, sugar punch that your body gets after uh, eating. But again, you get to think about what you've done in the morning and what you need to achieve in the afternoon. And it's also, as you'll see later, a great time to plan with other people. That could be another, say, 1,000, 2,000 steps. And then one of the most important walks of the day is the evening walk. After you've had dinner, uh, before you go to bed, maybe not watch so much TV and go for a walk. You know, go with your spouse, a friend, whatever, chat about your days. And just, you know, being out in the fresh air, it's probably going to be dark at that point in time. It just signals to your body that sleep is coming and you're ready for it. And it will probably improve your sleep, probably help you uh, get to sleep faster. And that's a great way to get anywhere from 1,000 to 3,000 steps. These all add up. Don't forget, you know, if you do uh, two or 3,000 steps a day, that times five, that times 52 weeks, you know, it, it really adds up quickly. And that's, that's one of the things that I discovered with all of this is might be 100 steps today, but it's 500 steps by Friday. And then it's a thousand steps by two weeks and it's 4,000 steps by the end of the month. And 
everything adds up and it all adds to your health and wellness. The next big one, meetings. Don't we all love meetings? Yes, hey, meetings. So I know from my own corporate experience that these things were like black holes of time and energy. A lot of them were after lunch, which is like the worst time. Everybody's like digesting and, and just struggling to stay awake. You remember how we discussed working smart? This is a great time to work smart. I have a bunch of great video clips from TED Talk authors talking about how walking and taking a meeting while you walk is just so important. Uh, I'll let you go to the website and to the blog post and, and look at that. I will go over the different kinds of meetings that you can improvise. Is walking and meeting right for every occasion? Well, probably not, but you know, you can get creative and use this concept in a hybrid fashion. For example, a meet, walk, meet, you know, start a meeting in a conventional way, show slides, sale figures, etc. Then break the meeting into participant groups of like three or less and send each team on a 15-minute uh, meet and walk. You know, they can discuss things. Everyone comes back to the meeting room, and then each member can present the ideas that they came up with, and you can have a group brainstorm. Guarantee you it'll work better than everybody sitting there. You'll get people energized. You get some new ideas. Give it a try. And experiment. Figure out what works best for you, your company, your company culture, but just experiment with it. A walk and meet. You know, you can start a meeting with small groups of employees, go for a 15, 20-minute meet and walk, and then bring everyone together for a traditional meeting and share your group's ideas. So a variation on that. And then something that uh, a lot of companies are doing, and I think it's wonderful, is try starting a meeting with a simple little five-minute exercise regime and stretches. You know, it doesn't have to be a lot. You can do some stretches, maybe walk on the, st on the spot or run on the spot. It'll get people's blood flowing. It'll get them kind of out of their doom and gloom. And it'll bring a new level of creativity to the room. There are stand-up meetings, uh, or they're simply called stand-up. And the idea of the stand-up meeting is that um, participants participate while standing. And the discomfort of standing for long periods is intended to keep the meeting short. Now, I'll tell you, I have no issue with standing at this point in time. In fact, I prefer to sitting. So that wouldn't work for me. Really, the idea here is just because we've been doing sitting meetings for decades, it doesn't mean there isn't a better and healthier way to achieve the same end goal. So experiment, get input, figure out a better way to an end goal of having a meeting and help boost people's daily step count and, and get them healthier. A lunch meeting. I'm all for taking your time to eat, but you know, a lot of us eat with our smartphones in our other hand and we're surfing the web. That's not eating, that's multitasking. So what I want you to do is just actually put the smartphone away and just eat your lunch and do something new for a change. Just concentrate on the mouthfeel and the flavors of the food and, and smell your food and bite and chew it and just kind of try and discern the textures and, and the flavors. And it'll be delightful taking that time to be aware of your food and be aware of your senses as you eat can actually help you feel full faster. One of the reasons that we just eat too much is we're not concentrating. We're just shoving stuff in and it isn't until it's way too late that we finish. Take a little bit of time, take 15, 20 minutes to do that. 
And then grab your coworker and for the remaining of your lunch break, have a meet and walk. And again, walking after eating is great for your body. It helps you digest and it'll re-energize you for the afternoon. So it's a great way to get things done. And you can also do this later in the afternoon when you need to grab a coffee. Uh, you can do the same thing. Go for a short walk. Quote here from Sandy Rice. She's a writer for Healthline News. A study published today in Diabetes Care found that three short walks each day after meals were as effective at reducing blood sugar over 24 hours as a single 45-minute walk at the same moderate pace. So there you go. It's great for you. Next up is Think and Walk. You know, you've got a big presentation coming up next week. You need to collect your ideas and start aligning your presentation. Well, instead of sitting at your desk, probably having a hundred things that, that are going to uh, disturb your concentration, why don't you learn from Maestro Beethoven? Take a walk in the world around you. Grab a notebook or grab your smartphone and earbuds with the microphone and make voice notes using a voice note app. I have information on uh, in the blog for how you can do that on iPhones and Androids. If you want your thoughts in text form, use Siri or Google Now. And those services transcribe your dictation into text. So you can actually copy and paste it later into an outline document or something like that on your computer. So take 30 minutes and you'll probably get around 2,000 to 3,000 steps in and you'll get a lot done and nobody will be able to disturb you. Stairs or size. Now, walking up a couple of stairs on a daily basis is not going to magically burn a ton of calories. I was a little shocked at how little it actually burns. So one minute of walking upstairs burns about nine calories for somebody weighing 160 pounds or 72.5 kilograms or 16 calories for somebody weighing 210 pounds or 95 calories. So it's not a lot, but I can tell you when you take five, 10 flights of stairs, even more, it's pretty darn clear that going upstairs engages your cardiovascular system and you know you keep doing this uh, you're persistent about it you do it on a daily basis your cardiovascular health is going to be improved there's no two ways of disputing that it's just it's going to be good for you and for me taking the stairs feeling my heart pump hard in my chest it's just a visceral reminder that i am consistently working towards a healthier future for myself if nothing else it's just it's a nice little challenge to have on a daily basis. And every so often, it's nice to feel your heart pumping hard in your chest. So go for it. Learning from the geniuses again, the talk and walk. Your day is going well. You've racked up a bunch of steps doing other things. You're still alert and energized in the afternoon. A conference call rings through. You slip on your Bluetooth headset. You stand up. You start pacing back and forth. And you engage with the call's participants. You know, even though it's mid-afternoon, you're sharp, you're articulate, you're clear-headed because movement powers creative thinking. Uh, we've seen this with, with the examples of the, of the geniuses that I brought up, and I can tell you from my experience too, on a walking desk all day, that it just, it's almost like a superhuman power. It just keeps you alert and keeps you thinking clearly, and it's amazing. Just simply walking around while you're on the phone. I'm going to estimate 35 steps a minute, 30 minute conference call. You've just added 1,050 steps. Let's say you have five in a week. 
you know, that's over 5,000 steps a week, 20,000 steps a month. It all adds up. It's, it's really amazing. Nolifer Merchant, who I actually quote earlier in a TED Talk, says, nowadays, people are sitting 9.3 hours a day, which is more than we're sleeping at 7.7 hours. Sitting is so incredibly prevalent. Of course, there are health consequences to this. Scary ones besides the waste. Things like breast cancer, colon cancer are directly tied to our lack of physical activity. 10% in fact on both of those. 6% for heart disease, 7% for type 2 diabetes. Sitting is awful. Any chance you get not to sit, take it. This next one's going to sound a little creepy, but bear with me. It's called the bathroom marathon. This is one of my power moves. I keep well hydrated and it's very important to keep well hydrated for your health. And I've talked about this in other blog posts, but there's some simple hacks that you can use to also improve your wellness. From a fluid in standpoint, if you don't know how much fluid you drink a day, then you probably aren't drinking enough. Men should roughly drink 13 cups or three liters and women nine cups or 2.2 liters of water. I work very hard at this and I do not drink 13 cups every day. And sometimes I'm more around the nine cups. And so if I'm conscientious about this and I'm working hard at it and I still have problems reaching that goal, I can assure you that most of you out there uh, really need to work on this. Being hydrated is so, so important to everything, to your alertness, to your health, to your ability to exercise, everything. So one of the tips I have uh, that's very simple is drink one or two eight ounce or 236 milliliter glasses of water before and after you eat. Now that'll help regulate your appetite and I'll take the edge off. And by creating that habit, you will have a consistent way of getting partway to your goal. If you do two cups, one before, one after each meal, you're already up to six, right? If you, if you have three meals a day. So it's a great way of uh, starting a habit. It'll help you eat less and it will also keep you hydrated. Definitely check out my How to Stop Drinking Soda, Awesome Steps for Success, because drinking soda for 13 cups a day is not a good thing to do. <laughs> it's awful. We really need to get as close to straight water as possible. I happen to have my favorite, which is ginger tea with uh, lemon. And I talk about that in my How to Stop Drinking Soda, Awesome Steps for Success blog post. With lots of recipes and all that kind of stuff. So you can go check it out. I've already indicated that I drink probably 8 to 10, sometimes 12 cups a day, which is uh, 64 to 80 ounces or 1.88 to 2.36 liters of liquid a day. It's pretty good. I also love coffee. And as most of you know, coffee is a diuretic, which means that drinking it provides me with many urgent opportunities to exercise throughout the day. The next section is fluid out. How do you harness the, the various multiple bathroom treks that you have to take? And the very simple solution is this. Take the long route to the bathroom. Find a route to a bathroom to be on somebody else's floor, you know, better pollute their bathroom than yours, that takes at least 250 steps to get there. If it takes 250 steps to get there, 
it's going to take 250 steps to get back. So that's 500 steps. Now, if you're anything like me, I can easily do eight times a day. It's pretty crazy. My wife rolls her eyes every time, but hey, it's good for you. Um, so that means simply by rerouting your bathroom trip, you've added 4,000 steps to your daily count. 4,000 steps for a week, that's 20,000 steps a week just going to the bathroom. It is just, it's awesome. It's an incredible tip. Anybody can do this. The truth of the matter is in about seven work days, you will have walked a half marathon. So 13 miles or 20.9 kilometers to the bathroom. So that's why I call it the bathroom marathon. Hey, you'll be a contender in the office Olympics. Amanda Carlson, a registered dietitian, uh, says water is involved in every type of cellular process in your body. And when you're dehydrated, they all run less efficiently. And that includes your metabolism. Think of it like your car. If you have enough oil and gas, it will run more efficiently. It's the same with your body. Drinking and utilizing the other aspect of drinking, which is having to pee, can make you much healthier uh, in a lot of ways. As we move our way up the Workout at Work infographic, we're getting towards the top of the building. We're getting towards the big guns here. And we are at the standing desk. Now, a standing desk is designed to be used by a person who is standing while working. So shifting from a sitting desk to a standing desk several times a day is a great way to start improving your health and creativity. Sitting is the most underrated health threat of modern time. Researchers found that sitting more than six hours a day will greatly increase your risk of an early death. And that is from Eat, Move, Sleep, How Small Changes Lead to Big Changes by Tom Rath. Definitely a great book to check out. So you can actually try a standing desk right now. I mean, all you need to do is, is go grab a couple of cardboard boxes, put them on top of your desk, put your laptop or maybe your monitor on there and give it a try. I also have a couple of alternatives. I have um, a standing desk converter for $39 shipped, which works really well too. The idea here is that, that you can give this a try right now and you can you can sit and stand during the day. Then if this becomes something that you want to be more permanent, clearly a, a, a box isn't gonna be the solution. So you can get a more um, permanent solution. You can actually even rent standing desks now, and I have a link to one of the places that does that. So a standing desk will improve your posture and reverse some of the health problems that come with sitting all day. And working at a standing desk is not a static activity. You're always kind of fidgeting and moving. Those are uh, good movements to make. And I have links to other exercises that you can do while you work. So you can definitely check that out at the blog. And I also have another blog post, uh, Doctor Reveals How to Be the CEO of, of Your Own Health, which has a whole bunch of information about working and being healthy. So you should definitely check that out. While you're standing, it's actually more natural for you to step away and pace around. That's a really great thing. I mean, it, it takes much more effort when you're sitting down to stand up and go for a, a little walk. But doing that, you know, while you're standing at the standing desk every 10, 15, 20 minutes is going to be good for you. It's going to give you more steps. It's going to help your body readjust and it's going to help your body be healthier than if you were sitting all day. I kind of joke that, uh, a standing desk is a gateway habit to the walking desk because that's 
what got me and has helped a lot of people. And so because of that, I suggest that if you like a standing desk, that you actually invest in something that can be adaptable to a standing desk, sorry, a walking desk. And that just means you need to be able to put it up a little higher than uh, where it's set for standing because there's going to be a treadmill that goes under there. So there are many solutions to that. Jonathan Long, a contributor to entrepreneur.com, says, I'll admit I was a bit skeptical at first. He's talking about a standing desk. I had many questions and concerns. Would I be as productive standing as I worked? Could I comfortably do my daily tasks on my feet? But now the results are in. And in short, I'll never go back to a regular desk. And I can tell you in the past three and a half, almost four years, I could not imagine working at a sitting desk ever again. I, it just, it's not even in my vocabulary. Even if you walk 35 uh, steps per minute when you go for a little walk and over the day you do it for uh, 30 minutes, that's an extra 1,050 steps. That's over 5,000 steps a week and 20,000 steps a month. It all adds up. Here we are finally at the top, the walking desk. When I finally started walking on a walking desk, it was a tool that allowed me to, first of all, uh, mitigate my back spasms. Actually walking and working is the only way that I can straighten up and get out of pain. Uh, it's amazing. I'll, I'll start the day, you know, it's, it's kind of like that, uh, that illustration of evolution. You know, you go from dragging your knuckles to standing and, and walking. Well, that's what I do every day when I have a back spasm and I get on the walking desk. I'm crooked and I'm in pain when I start. And within half an hour, I've straightened up. No pain, no need for painkillers. I am just go through my day. It's a tool that allows me to mitigate them when they come and they come far less frequently. So it's been an excellent tool for me. Just so you know, when you're on a walking desk, which is a standing desk with a treadmill underneath it, the treadmill that is underneath you is a very low speed treadmill. So it's a motor and a walking deck. You don't have the upper uh, arm sort of stuff with the computer. They don't have that sort of thing, so it doesn't get in the way. The motor and walking deck rests on the ground and you stand on that and walk. And right now I'm standing on my walking desk because if I turn the motor on, it'll probably interfere with the podcast. But I stand on it, you know, during the day and work as well. So there's a photo of me at my uh, DIY uh, walking desk on the website. You can check that out. The average speed that I walk is anywhere from one to two miles per hour or 1.6 to 3.2 kilometers per hour. And really it's not walking, it's kind of like a, a slow stroll. Just to give you an example, the average person walks about 3.1 miles per hour or five kilometers per hour. So it's about half of that. Yes, that's enough to give you exercise and it, it also works your calf muscles and they uh, the calf muscles pump the blood back up into your body and it just gets everything moving. Is it hard to work on a walking desk? I adapted to it very quickly and I've seen people adapt to it within minutes, uh, sometimes seconds. So it really depends on your personality. You know, if you're sure-footed and you feel comfortable, then it's going to be easier for you. But it's something for you to definitely consider. My daily activities while working and walking include writing, dictation, researching, reading, 
graphic design, website authoring, programming, photo, video, and podcast editing. All of those things I can do while I'm walking one to two miles an hour or 1.6 to 3.2 kilometers per hour. So a walking desk solution can be as inexpensive as a $350 DIY setup or a durable professional solution can cost you $1,000 and up. On the blog post, I actually have a quick little interview with Ron Wiener from workwhilewalking.com and sitless.com. And Ron has years and years of experience uh, with walking desks. He's actually been doing it longer than I have. He's helped hundreds and hundreds of people uh, get walking desks into their life, into their business, all that sort of stuff. So he's got a, a, a great little interview and he calls it a waltzing desk, not a walking desk. There's uh, lots of great little tidbits, and I think it gives you a much better idea of, of what a walking desk solution is. So be sure to check that out. Again, it's lhdiet.com slash W-O-A-W. So what are the health benefits to walking and not sitting? JustStand.org says sitting disease is commonly used when referring to a metabolic syndrome and the ill effects of an overly sedentary lifestyle. It's quickly becoming a recognized occupational health and safety concern for all of us. Moving while working has measurable health benefits. Lifespanfitness.com says it promotes healthy body weight, reducing the risk and the management of type 2 diabetes, lowering blood pressure, and helping maintain strong bones. And there are psychological benefits to working and moving too, like improved mood, productivity, and reduced stress. A study co-authored by Michael Sittler, PhD, assistant professor of psychology at Purdue University Indianapolis, found that we are able to show that these active workstations have psychological benefits without performance detriment. For the most part, that is. People at treadmill desks were less bored, less stressed, and more satisfied than those seated, standing, or cycling desks. There are some other benefits I enjoy and that's an increased level of alertness and stamina. Now, Andrew Tate has a wonderful blog post at Design School Canva, and he says a 2004 study from Stanford University in the U.S. has shown that people are much more creative when they are walking around as opposed to when they are sitting still. They found when people were walking, either on a treadmill or outdoors, they were 60% more creative than sitting around. I see this every day with my experience. And it's, it's just a wonderful asset to have. It's like a little superpower. So you have a choice of sitting, uh, which is quickly becoming the, a health plague of our time, or moving while working, which has all the wonderful health and benefits that that brings. Why should you get a walking desk? Well, as I've said from December 2012, to July 2016, I had walked 10,000 miles or 16,000 kilometers with 70% of that distance on my DI walking desk. And I averaged daily uh, between 9 to 14 miles, which is 14 to 22 kilometers per day during the week. Uh, actually, funnily enough, on weekends, I take it easy. So it's kind of the opposite of, of what many of you are. So at 52 years old, even though I'm prone to reoccurring back spasms, I walk pain-free at my walking desk. At the end of the day, I don't feel any more tired than I would have not walking. In fact, I would say the days that I'm sedentary, 
I'm more likely to discover a new ache or pain. The stamina and strength I've earned walking does translate to the real world. I love to hike, and I often do it with people much younger than myself. I'm able to keep up with them, and I'm not an embarrassment. It really pays off. And regardless of what goes on in my day, good or bad, I get my walking exercise in. I mitigate my back pain, I boost my productivity, and I improve my wellness on all metrics. The more I do, the more I can do. So your journey towards a walking desk. I recommend that people start their journey towards a walking desk by first getting comfortable with standing and working. Walking and standing desk setups, uh, as I've said, range from DIY solutions to high-end corporate solutions with lots of variations in between. But if you do go the DIY route, you really need to commit to making your DIY solution work. Otherwise, it'll be a waste of time, effort, and money, and it'll be a dinosaur that will sit in your house and, and not get any exercise. So regardless of your price range or where your journey will end up, it makes sense that you have the next possible move towards a walking desk in mind when you buy equipment for a standing desk. And a standing desk will always be an excellent investment uh, whether you graduate to a walking desk or not. So I suggest you give the experts over at workwhilewalking.com or sitless.com, uh, that's Ron Wiener's company, give them a call and uh, they can help uh, give you a customized uh, recommendation and uh, it really fit it to your preferences and your needs. How do you get started? I know there's a ton of information in this podcast in the blog post. You need to remember that every journey starts with a single footstep. The most effective way to build new habits is to commit to making one small change at a time. Repeat that action daily until it becomes second nature and then add a new habit and re repeat the process doing it daily until it becomes a habit. Review all the possible work life scenarios in this blog post. Choose one to implement first. Play with the steps estimator panels. Plan out what you'd like to achieve, let's say tomorrow, and experiment. Give it a try the next day in real life. And if it works for you, then keep repeating it until it becomes a habit. If it doesn't, come back, figure out something else with the steps estimator panels, and give it a try tomorrow. It's about making that first step, and you just need one thing to start. A lot of the times we become overwhelmed because we want to try and solve all our problems all at once. But the reality is we need to do it one step at a time. So choose one of the possible scenarios from this blog post and give it a try and work it and work it until it becomes a habit. If you're interested in having me coach you through this process, you can send me an email and we can discuss your needs. Just to remind you, I have a ton of resources in the Work Out at Work blog post. There's the high resolution Work Out at Work infographic for free. There's the Discover Your Golden Hours personalized worksheet, which is free. And I'm also rolling this into a Workout at Work corporate seminar and workshop. So this sort of thing that I can present in real life to your company and then sit down with small groups and kind of coach them into how they can make this part of their daily activity. Please uh, get in touch with me if you're interested in that. It's lifehackerdiet at gmail.com. You can go to the website and get a hold of me there through the contact page. 
I'm certainly open to creating an email course based on this content, but I need to know what you guys want me to deliver. Uh, you can sign up for the email course and let me know what sort of stuff you want, and I'd be happy to build it and get it out to you. Thank you very much. I know this has been a long podcast and my voice is kind of uh, dying here, <laughs> but it's extremely important. This, this is life-changing stuff, one step at a time. I found that once I started to make changes one step at a time, it became easier and easier to add something new to my list of things that I was changing. You have to kind of get into shape with making changes in your life. There are a ton of possibilities here. Again, choose one, try it out, and see if it works for you. If not, tweak it, find something else within the blog post. And please, I love to hear back from people, successes, failures. I'd love to help you out, whatever it is. Get in touch with me at the bottom of the blog post. There's a chat area, uh, or you can email me. It's all good. Again, the blog post is at lhdiet.com slash W-O-A-W, or you can just go to lifehackerdiet.com and get in touch with me that way. Thank you very much for all your time listening to this, and I hope it changes your life big time. Thank you for listening to the Life Hacker Diet podcast. We appreciate you and are focused on improving your life one small change at a time. Just remember, you can find the show notes at lhdiet.com slash W-O-A-W, and that stands for Workout at Work. And if you have a question you'd like me to address, please leave it in the comments section of this podcast at lhdiet.com slash W-O-A-W or in the SoundClouds or iTunes comment sections. I visit the comments regularly, and I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to help you one-on-one. You can also email me directly at lifehackerdiet at gmail.com. I really appreciate you taking one minute of your time to like the Lifehacker Diet podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or giving us a five-star review on iTunes by simply searching for a Lifehacker Diet on any of those services. This helps the Lifehacker Diet get noticed by more people that can be positively affected by your simple act of saying, hey everyone, check out these guys, they're awesome. You know what else? You're awesome. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, today's the first day of the rest of your life, so make it count.